0: Thankful for the people that come in to make this possible. I want to say, do not adjust your TV sets or your computer screens. This shirt is actually that color. Uh, I'm not usually wearing bright colors. I'm more of shades of black with my Harley, but this was a gift that I received yesterday. And it is a Harley shirt, and I'm so appreciative of it making me branch out into shinier Brighter things, I guess. Uh, but I'm thankful for that. I appreciate people's kindness. It's been uh, another quite a week. Uh, we, as a family, had the wedding last Saturday, and then on Tuesday we went up to Midland and we had the graveside service of a wonderful saint, uh, Great Grandma Frida, Grandma Frida to my wife, and uh, what, a, what a precious time remembering this godly woman who was full of joy all the way through 99 years and uh, it was on that day later that evening when the um Edenville uh, dam broke and Midland started to flood and uh, we went back up on Friday. I worked with DRAW. You guys know DRAW. We work with DRAW here at Oakwood Community Church. Disaster Relief at Work is what DRAW stands for. And I was able to coordinate some uh, contacts for them in Midland. But I took some buckets up with my family on Friday to help people that had... Basements flooded, houses flooded, uh, some houses completely covered in water. It was amazing. My father-in-law lives on Sanford Lake, and the water rose 20 feet. And then the Sanford Dam, the dam itself didn't break, but the dike around it let loose. And so he went from 20 feet of flooding to the complete emptying of his lake, and uh, people were devastated. He's He was above, 25 feet above the water, so he was fine, but people down the street, houses were completely covered. One house removed from its uh, foundation. So what a week. Uh, it's been crazy, and uh, I just want us as a church to be praying for the people in Midland. I'm thankful for Draw. They've been on the ground now, and will continue to be on the ground helping those people there. Samaritan's Purse is on their way there, uh, but much devastation has happened. This morning, we want to pray and uh, lead into the message, and I want you to pray specifically uh, for our hearts as a church, a community, uh, that we would be unified. This morning, I pray that I won't come across as angry, I won't come across as bitter, and that you will receive this message in the spirit in which it is given this morning. So let's go to God in prayer. Would you pray with me this morning? Would you say, God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen Just give that prayer to God. God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, I pray that you'd be glorified. Everyone hearing this message would be edified and that Satan would be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. want to talk to you today, and there's people joining us from Illinois and and northern Michigan and all around, uh, but I I want to talk to Oakwood uh, about our need to stay unified as a church during this potentially very divisive time. There was an article that came out by Brett McCracken, and uh, it was... um, called Church Don't Let Coronavirus Divide You. I encourage you to take a look at that article. Church Don't Let Coronavirus Divide You. In it, he said, as if the logistic details weren't challenging enough, how to maintain social distancing, limit crowd size, whether or not to require a mask, to sing or not to sing, what to do with the children, and so on, the whole conversation is fraught with potential division. And this morning as a pastor, and even if you don't go to Oakwood, I encourage you to consider your role in the church where you attend and your unity with the bond of believers. We need to get this right. This is not the time for the church to fight amongst itself. And so this morning, I just want to bring to you some thoughts. Uh, the big idea today is we are kingdom people. Let's live in a unified kingdom. Uh, I did a message series not too long ago, The Good and Beautiful God, and then followed it later with the second series, The Good and Beautiful Life. And in it, I made sure that we understand we're kingdom people. Kingdom people are different people. We can't be the world. We are aliens and strangers here. We're called to be different. We live by a different set of standards. We follow God's word as our guide for our lives. And therefore, we have to listen to what Scripture says, and Scripture tells us we are to be unified. That doesn't mean we all agree on all matters, but we must be unified. This morning, I want to read for you that passage, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It simply states, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Everybody say patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the peace through the bond, unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Everybody say peace. Oh, this morning, we're going to read a lot of scriptures that talk about peace and unity because we're kingdom people. So we need to respond in a kingdom way and we need to be unified that's important. Oh, the Bible says in the key verse for today, Psalm 133, 1, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Oh, the Bible keeps reminding us people. We're kingdom people. We've got to respond properly. And this is a time when division is easy. <laughs> we're divided. I know that there's such uh, diverse camps of thinking about what's happening right now. I don't want anybody to think I'm picking on them because I know that many people wrote me emails and you might think I'm talking about you today. Once again, there's a cacophony of words coming to me as your pastor. I'm not picking on any one thought today. But this picture that was in the that little article by Brett McCracken, uh, I love this picture. There's the mask wearers who are angry at the not mask wearers and the mask non-wearers who are angry at those wearing masks. You can see in their eyes the anger, the visceral and, and that is not what we need as a body of Christ, no matter where you're at and where you're from. This morning I received this wonderful, I love this, uh, thank you for sending this to me. And, and again, I'm not looking for your sympathy today. I know what I am. I'm a pastor of a church and you have opinions. You feel free to share them with me. Nobody should be stifled. Feel free to contact me. That's fine. But I just want you to recognize that your thought isn't the only thought. Every pastor in the world is facing these thoughts. You can't open the church building. Yet, it's huge health risk. You're doing the wrong thing if you do it. But then others are saying it's all a big hoax, a conspiracy, a media frenzy. Read the article, this link, don't be afraid. And then you get my wife, my husband My dad, my grandparent, my uncle, my sister, my brother, my niece, my cat, my dog just passed away from the coronavirus. People are struggling. We are struggling. I could read all of those. Maybe you can take a look and read those for yourself. There's so many opinions. I show you this because I want you to know as your pastor, I'm not going to be swayed in one direction by any comment. I'm not going to be pressured into doing anything either for or against gathering, based on what the government tells me or what you scream at me. I'm going to be guided by this, God's word, his principles, and a prayerful asking for wisdom. I want to do what's best for us as a church. And I'm surrounded by a group of elders that only wants what's best for this church. You need to know that we've assembled a task force, and we've already met. We've gone through uh, tons of material. There's tons of things out there. Uh, 25 things you must do before you can gather. And they're all saying different things. (laughs) And you just need to know that we're not being told what to do by the government. There's some guidelines, there's some things they're suggesting, but we're not listening to one source. Friends, you need to know, and I'll talk about it in this message today, that while you might think one part of the government is overreaching and overstretching, there's other parts that are irresponsible by declaring we should open immediately. You need to know we're not just listening to one thing. Those of you who are angry saying you're only listening to the government, that's not true. But we're also not going to listen to you when you scream at us and tell us what you think we should do. We're going to take all of this into consideration and do what we believe is best for God's church. We don't want to harm God's church. We want to gather. I want to see you and hear you sing. I want to see your smiles. And yes, I'd like to have some hugs and some good old handshakes. My hand is is getting weak. I haven't grabbed Bill Miller's hand in a long time and had that firm shake. But I want to do things right. And I want to do things well. And I just want to say this to you. There's a difference between opinions and responsibility. I am responsible. I take that seriously. While you might say, let's just open and start hugging, I say I couldn't live with it if someone died because of that. You would be able to move on because it wasn't your call. There's a difference between opinion and responsibility. So that's why we're going to talk today about unity. Even when you don't get your exact way, we need to discuss what it looks like to be unified. So this morning I want to talk about kingdom unity and what it requires. Four things. The article I read led me to these things, but it's all based on scripture. Kingdom unity requires kingdom people who sacrifice self. Oh, what a but an easy thing to understand that as kingdom people, self-sacrifice has to be high on the list of our, our thought process. We live to care about other people first. The Bible tells us that. There's some great scripture I want to read through today, starting first in Romans 14, 13 through 21. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Now listen to these words. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good of be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. Peace, everybody say peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace. Everybody say peace. And a mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Friends, what is Paul trying to say here? What we're taught in Scripture is we have Christian liberty. We have freedom, but your freedom isn't to be used to hurt people. We as Americans are rugged individualists. And we love our freedoms. The sun has come out. and We all want to be free. Friends, trust me. I went up to Midland on Friday and, and the people there who are devastated by the floods, they're not worried about masks and social distancing. They're worried about surviving this day. I didn't have a mask on and I was there. You know, it's not about masks or not masks. It's not about whether we can gather in a room yet. Right now the spiritual battle is self-sacrifice versus self selfishness. That's the battle. Paul tells people here, it's not wrong to eat meat. It's not wrong to drink wine but you don't get to just trample over your brothers and sisters who struggle with that. Can you imagine being in that church? Some people all their life had been taught that eating of certain meat was it was ungodly and, and to drink certain things would be ungodly. They've been taught that their whole life, and now uh, things have changed because of Christ. There's freedom, and now there's an allotment to do that, but some people just can't bring themselves to understand that and appreciate that and they really believe it's wrong? How can you be unified when there's freedom and yet people that are struggling with that freedom? Well, the the principle always becomes you give up your rights. You give up your freedom based on unity and peace in the body. Friends, I'm not telling you that either side is completely wrong. I'm not telling you that it's wrong to want to gather and to be able to do things. What I'm telling you is, is that, do we okay? Did we lose the feed or are we still going? We're still going live, but we had a bigger flash of uh, power here in the room. I'm not telling you that you're wrong on either side. But what I'm sharing with you is, is it that important that you aren't willing to humble yourself and sacrifice your rights and freedoms for other people? The Bible would call those the weaker brethren. The weaker brethren are the ones that feel concerned. Well, we have weak brothers and sisters that we don't want to compromise here. And so we need to act in accordance with that. Some of you would say, well, make them stay home. That sounds not very loving. Uh, I want to make sure that what we're doing is not about just what we want, but what is good for the entire body. And in Romans, we that's a great passage. Read it and reread it this week. There's another passage in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Boy, in anything that you do, you should consider other people first. Yes, you might have a right to do something, but that doesn't mean you flaunt it. Let your liberties be yours and keep them between yourself and God. You don't have to proclaim everything you think is right and make everybody convinced of that. Some people aren't convinced of what you're so convinced about. That's what requires sacrificing self. Another verse is found in Romans 12, in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We're taught that scripture reminds us that we're not our own. We've been bought with a price and we should be living sacrifices. Yeah, we have life and breath. You're sucking air for free. But what you do with that is not all about you. We're to be sacrificing for our brothers and sisters around us. What does that look like? How can can we do that? I'm asking us to be kingdom people, and kingdom people are different people, and kingdom unity requires kingdom people who sacrifice self. There's a a lot of great quotes, and I'm going to give you a quote after each point today. In the article, Church, Don't Let Coronavirus Divide You, from Brett McCracken, he says this on Coming Back Together. Even if you think these precautions are needless overreaction, can you not sacrifice your idea for a season? out of the love of others who believe the precautions are necessary? I would ask yourself that and and look deep. Having your opinions, is it that important not to care more about other people's thoughts and opinions? We each need to consider one another when it comes to this. But we ought to be able to sacrifice, sacrifice. Second thing, kingdom unity requires kingdom people who honor humility humility. Philippians 2 and verse 3, it says, do nothing out of self-ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Scripture teaches us it should not be about self-interest. Have you ever noticed how remarkably confident so many of us are in our views right now? That's what amazes me. So many people are so entrenched We live in such a a media frenzied catechism that sides itself. It divides people. You're either of this or this. And as a church, when we come together, we need to realize we have people that have different views. So how do we come together in unity? It can't be that everybody has to agree with you. It can't be. And so we humble ourselves. Another scripture about humility is found in James 1.19. My dear dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listen to what it says. We ought to listen. You've heard it said, we've got two ears and only one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we talk. And that's hard in the day and age of social media where it's easy to get on and just tell everybody what you think about everything. And if they don't agree with you, you're going to unfriend them or you're going to uh, have a battle, a vicious battle, war to the end all over opinions. Scripture says kingdom people are different people. We honor humility and we self-sacrifice. I pray that you would consider humility in any of your opinions about what the church should be doing, that you would give grace, that you would give us the time to do what is necessary. Oh, it's it's hard to be humble and self-sacrificing when you want something really bad. I know. When you want something really bad, you want to just make your case for it. My son is great at that. Uh, He might not be awake yet, so I can talk about him. Teenagers want something they make a case. Have you ever listened to a teenager make a case for something? Yesterday I heard the case for a uh, a wave runner. We uh, we've got to have a wave runner dad and here are the reasons why and here is the cost of a specific one I want it's not too much and oh I listen to him and I'm not against that I love listening to Josh he's good at it he's either going to be a lawyer someday or a preacher who knows but boy he can make a case. I'm asking you as a church, don't act like a kid, don't act like a teenager when it comes to our bond of unity. Honor humility. On this thought of humility, Brett said this, Let's model humility by acknowledging that everything is not obvious. And we are all just trying to do the best we can in this build the plane in mid-air moment. I love that quote. Friends, everything is not obvious. I'm sure that if you listen to one branch of the media only, you might think everything is obvious. I'd encourage you not to do that. I'd encourage you to be a little broader. I'd encourage you not to make uh, uh, sweeping statements against people. Your governor is not out to kill you. You might disagree with her policies, but she's not out to purposely destroy America or Michigan. Ah, please. I remember being a young man meeting every Tuesday morning for prayer. And it was the time that Obama was running for president. It was late in the fall. And I remember it was getting pretty obvious that he was probably going to be our next president. I was with some great men. Boy, they're great. They are great men, godly men. But I listened to them talking about this man who was obviously a Muslim and who was obviously planted here to destroy America. And he wanted nothing more than we all die. And I sat there going, really? really? Now, some of you might still think that about Obama. Let me tell you, President Obama did everything he thought would be great for America. We have differences of opinion. We have differences of what we think makes America great. But why do we have to run to the extremes? Somebody posted an article, why do Christians gravitate toward the conspiracy theories? You ought to look that up. Why is it that Christians are gravitating to the grotesque and most outrageous conspiracy theories. That ought to make you pause and stop for a moment. Everything is not obvious, friends. And not everybody is a villain out to kill you and harm you. I believe some people who are overreaching, maybe, they're doing it because they care. And they think what they're doing is right. We don't have to believe them. We don't have to even trust them. But we're going to talk about how we as believers can be kingdom people when we disagree. It's got to be done biblically, correctly. Well, kingdom unity requires that we self-sacrifice. Kingdom unity requires that we honor humility. And kingdom unity requires that kingdom people practice patience. Oh, patience. Such a hard word. Scripture reminds us about being patient. The Bible says, be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. And then this one is is equally good in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 9. Do not quickly provoke your spirit in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Oh, believer, be patient. Romans 12 and verse 12 reminds us be joyful in hope, patient in affliction faithful in prayer. I hope you're hearing that word patient over and over and over again. The Bible reminds us, and oh, this morning if you're lacking patience, be careful about praying for patience because God will give you tests. I know that what we're going through now is very difficult for everybody. My heart breaks for graduating seniors. My heart breaks for graduating college students who are worried about finding a job. My heart breaks for so many groups of people that have had so much loss. But we need to be patient. I know this seems like an eternity, but I like what uh, Brett said in the article when he said, As hard as it will be to practice patience, remember that in the scheme of eternity, this season, whether it's months, long, or years, will be but a blip. A blip. Remember when I had the timeline out here? I had a rope. I stretched from side to side. And I talked about eternity. God has always been, and he always will be. Eternity goes on forever, and your life is right here. Beep, this little, little bit. And in your lifetime, what we're going through is such a small little beep. It's teeny. It's teeny. Is it worth division? Is it worth hate? Is it worth dividing and leaving churches over this? Ask yourself, am I following what the Bible says or am I following what I feel? Don't let your heart guide you, friends. We hear that all the time. Let your heart guide you. No, the Bible says your heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can trust it? Follow God's word, not your feelings or emotions. So we've, we've got point number one, kingdom, people must be people of self-sacrifice. Point number two, kingdom people must honor humility. Kingdom people must practice patience. And lastly this morning, kingdom people who bring balance. I've already spoke on this, but I want to continue to speak about balance. The author in the article talks about nuance. I thought nuance might be a difficult word, so I changed it to balance. But we are a non-nuanced society a non-nuanced society. Society purposely drives us to the extremes. It sells. It works in politics and it works in the media. It doesn't work in the church. So we're living in a culture that is anti-church and we're asking you to be kingdom people and have kingdom unity. So when we come together these are things we must consider. I believe we need balance. I believe you need to have balance. Don't just believe everything that you read or every video that's posted on on social media. And don't just believe when somebody stands up and says something outrageous and tells us on Friday that we should just be in church together on Sunday. Outrageous! Have balance. Have balance. Scripture I'm going to share with you is in a clump. So before you tune out, when I read a scripture you don't like, stay for the whole thing because we're talking about balance. Romans 13:1 through5 clearly teaches this: Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God has instructed, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. to rebel against government. Hang in there. I'm going to balance this because I'm talking about balance. It's not our job to to tell everybody to revolt. That's, That's not our job. We're kingdom people and kingdom people are seen by the world and we ought to be seen to be different people. Romans 13 talks about governing authority. So does 1 Peter 2. 13 and 15. Hang in there, people. Don't, don't, don't tune out yet. I'm going to get to your verse in Acts. Relax. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15 says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Friends, we want to be kingdom people. We want to do good. We want to be civil. We want to be people who live in a society and follow rules. I hate the speed limit. I remember when it was 55. I can't drive 55. I remember when they moved it up to 70. I was, woohoo! and then they moved it up to 75. Now on freeways, it's 80. And I'm getting old saying, that's a little fast. Slow down. Oh, we we don't like rules. And we don't follow every rule to the ump's degree all the time. But by all means, we shouldn't be known as people of just rebellion. Anger. But let's balance this. Romans 13 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. 1 Peter 2, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. But there's also Acts 5. Acts 5. Verse 28 and 29. We gave you strict orders not to teach in His name, He said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Friends, Scripture is nuanced. On one hand, it's telling us to obey and honor authority. On the other hand, we find people that had to rebel against authority. That's why we need to be nuanced people. Listen to me. Balance. We bring balance. Friends, there are times... Then we need to submit to the governing authorities. And there are times when we need to protest. The trick is to be wise and to know when it's time for those things. It's not always time to rebel, it's not always time just to do what we're told. But as kingdom people, we should be thoughtful people. We should be driven by what this book teaches us. And this book teaches us to be balanced in all seasons. And now is the time when that's tested. Are you being balanced? Are you practicing patience? Are you honoring humility? Are you sacrificing self? Is this the nature of who you are? Or you've gone to an extreme on either side? I love this quote. Oh, there's one I'll come back to this passage, 1 Samuel 34 through 6. I'll end with that. Let me give the quote first. Brett McCracken said this. We can be skeptical of some of the aspects of the lockdown without resorting to outrageous conspiracy theories. And we can honor governing authorities while engaging them in civil pushback when necessary. Balance often results when humility and patience combine. Friends, I'm not telling you to just do everything you hear because right now we're hearing even from our governing authorities wildly vast different advice. But I'm asking you to consider if it is our job to always just rebel. It it sells. I'm afraid that in the Christian community that kind of vitriol sells. I'm afraid that's why we were given some instructions this past week because it politically sells. Mm. But I think we need to be careful. There's a time for pushback. There's a time when we stand up for the rights of the unborn and we say, no, no, we, we don't believe in abortion. It's, it's not a good thing, it's a matter of life and death. You need to be convinced in your own heart when it's time for you to go and protest in Lansing. And if you do, I'm not here to tell you you couldn't or shouldn't. But we need to think hard and deep about being people that are in constant rebellion of authority. If you have an authority issue, it's going to be hard to have a God. I want to go back to that one passage. My good friend Paul Gardner is the director of Camp Baracle, and he made a difficult announcement. He had to tell all the people who come to Camp Barrackell that they were not going to have summer camp this year. Ah, oh, it was heartbreaking for him. I so appreciate this godly man and his wisdom and his board had made the decision. I believe it was a Friday. I called Paul that Friday afternoon, not knowing that that had just happened. And Paul and I had a really good talk, encouraging one another as leaders that, oh boy, we're going to take some blows, aren't we? Yeah, it's part of the job. But we've got to do what we are convinced of is right in our hearts and our minds. When Paul made his announcement on video, he used this passage and I chuckled and smiled. 1 Samuel 34-6 So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in their spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. What an incredible passage, that nugget that Paul brought out. This is a time when there was great hurt. These people had lost. David as the leader had had probably made the bad call and people were affected greatly. Their sons and their daughters, their wives had been captured and taken. And now they're there and they're, they're just bitter in spirit. They're weeping until they can't weep anymore. And because of that, did you notice they wanted to pick up stones and kill David? Don't get any ideas, people. That's what Paul said on his video. No great ideas there. But I understand. I want to let you know today I understand. Please don't think that my message today was attacking either one side or the other, but just to try to bring balance in this situation. But I understand when you're hurting so bad and you're sacrificing so much and your patience is out of thread and you're tired of taking it and you don't want to be humble, I know you want somebody to pay. I'm not here asking for sympathy as your pastor. I'm not alone in this. There are elders and a team of people making decisions. But I understand that somebody has to, to be the enemy. Sometimes we pick a governor, sometimes we pick a president. Sometimes we pick a pastor. (laughs) It feels like somebody should pay. Friends, I want to let you know, regardless of incredible support or extreme vitriol, I'm not going to be swayed in doing something I am not convinced is right for you, your family, and this faith community. We're coming together soon. We are. Next week, I've asked Pastor Ben to bring a message for us. I need a break. I need a a Sunday where I don't have to prepare a message so I can work on what it takes to bring us back together. And then just in two short weeks, we'll be gathering together outside and we'll let you know what we're going to do there. It's not overreaching. It's pretty sane. But we are going to be able to gather outdoors and meet and see one another. But in the meantime, uh, if you got to pick up stones, if somebody's got to (laughs) die, ah, friends... I want to challenge you to be kingdom people in this. We we all don't agree. At times I think nobody agrees. But we are God's church. Kingdom people. And we've got to live in a unified kingdom. So those of you who refuse to put a mask on, when we gather together and some people might choose to wear masks, don't judge. Romans 14. I want to read that verse again. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Do not by your non-mask wearing destroy, do not by your mask wearing destroy someone for whom Christ died. Some will choose to wear masks. We don't believe we're going to require that for outdoor service. But some will choose that for their own safety. Let's be united. When we show back up together and and we want to so hug somebody. Think about them first. Don't just go and grab them. They might not want to be grabbed. We're going to discourage that type of physical touch. But we're not going to police you. We've decided that it's hard to be a a Christian organization and, and be tackling people and sending them home. We're hoping you'll be humble. We're hoping you will be patient. We're hoping you will be sacrificing. And we're hoping you will be balanced. And so when we arrive here, we're going to be considering others, not ourselves. We're going to be doing the best we can to gather, but do it wisely. But in the meantime, I understand your hurt and pain and loss over the last few weeks, and I can understand some anger, and I can take that. But I want us to be better than that. I want us to be unified. I'm going to pray as Christopher comes to close us I'm going to pray for us as a church, and even if you don't go to this church, I'm going to pray for your wisdom as you decipher and and understand the nuances of both and sometimes. Both and. I remember I had a professor in college who had a book called Both and, a balanced apologetic. Boy, we teased him all the time about the title of his book, Both and. Well, sometimes it is both and. It's not always just one clear thing. Sometimes we're building a plane in midair. That's what we're doing. But we're doing it out of love. We want you to be encouraged. We want you to be built up. And we want you to be on board. I'm going to pray to that end. Father God, in the name of Jesus, help us. Oh, we're opinionated. God, I'm opinionated. There's things that I like. I know in my heart of hearts, the best pizza in the world is in downtown Chicago at Geno's East, the original building. I know, I'm convinced. And I tell people all the time that they ought to, also be convinced but they're not dear paternoster always tells me it's not that pizza it's the other pizza the, the 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 bad one oh but we're opinionated god help us help us to stop being so opinionated about things that are not extremely clear god i pray that when we're opinionated it's about the cross I pray that if we're opinionated, it's about Jesus is the only way to salvation. I pray that if we're opinionated, it's about there's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved but by Jesus. These are things that we are convinced and we will not be swayed. Help us to be convinced of the things that are convincible and the things that are distractible. Help us to put them aside in honoring and loving one another. and All these things we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.